Um, I'm going to continue on Mark 3. You guys been enjoying Mark 3? Not Mark 3, just Mark in general. I'm going to take a long time to go through Mark, just exegete every passage. Um, I'm going to go read from verse 22 in this Mark 3:22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he cast out demons. And I spoke about this last week, so this is part two. And he called to them and said to, the, said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If the kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Notice there's a hierarchy. There's a kingdom and a house. So the satanic kingdom is a hierarchy. It's also a kingdom. This is God's kingdom. There's levels and there's authority and there's spheres of influence. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man. Everybody say plunder. plunder. In, then indeed he may plunder his house. Plunder. I truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. I want to continue on, and he talks about the parable of the sower. Many, many of you guys will know this passage. I may refer to it, so I'll just read it. Again, he began to teach, chapter 4, beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teachings, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came to devour it. Those are people who are asleep. And no matter how much you sow the seed, they can't listen. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil. These are people who get awakened by the word. But because there's no depth, they quickly go back to sleep. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. These are believers who are aware that this is the truth, but there's other truths that are competing to the truth of God. Asleep, awake, aware. And the other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is supernatural production because there's no way in those, in those times you would have 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. These are people who agree with the word. Let us seek, sink deep. I used all the A words. Like a very good pastor. I learned in seminary. And he said, who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Amen. So, plunder. How many of you guys know we're supposed to plunder? Take back all. How many of you guys know we are, we are called to plunder? Take back all. The word plunder is to 
carry everything off, all that we can, all that belongs to us by force, with aggressive, with aggression. That's the Greek word. How many of you guys know we're supposed to forcefully advance the kingdom with aggression? Matthew 16, it says, on this rock, Petra. Peter, Petros, which is a pebble. On this rock, Petra, it's a play on words. You're a little pebble, but I'm going to make you a bedrock. Not you, Peter, but what you just said, I'm going to make you a bedrock upon which the church is built. A bedrock where mountains can be built. I'm going to give you the authority to bind whatever you bind. You can bind in the spiritual realms. Whatever you lose, you can lose in the spiritual realms. But I've given you authority. I'm giving you authority. You may not have the power, but I've given you the authority. Play that video. Play that video. I, I don't know. Somebody can quickly turn off the lights and just... I may have shown this video before, but it's a perfect analogy of God and our interactions with Him. You guys like that video? Yeah, that's, that's the kingdom. I, I don't know what that was. Okay. See that video? That's the kingdom. It's, I, actually, I don't want to uh, think, oh, well, the mother, all, they did, all she did was give the food. There's an equally important role of the, mother, the parents. Uh, I don't, I'm not trying to exegete this Super Bowl commercial. It's one of the, my favorites. But how many guys know that God... Wisdom is attributed to like divine attributes or div- divinity. So when you think about wisdom in Proverbs, it actually is Sophia in the feminine. How many guys know there's a feminine nature to God? It doesn't mean that he's a... Fe- he's, do you understand? These are all allegories and metaphors. So there's God as... He's equally uh, masculine and feminine. And there's... I don't want to say he's... Unjo- you guys, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. But there is... I don't want to castigate the mothers in, uh, in parenting, because wisdom is feeding us. It feeds us. Wisdom feeds us. Amen? So that she feeds. So sustain him, the little boy, so that he can go out and do. The kingdom is about doing. And sometimes we feel like that, right? You're like, nothing happens. But if you do not give up, and, it, and the father shows up, somebody say Amen. If you don't give up and you're just like, the 1,000th time you're praying for healing and you're like, oh, you're frustrated, but you just keep doing it because the word says so and the Father shows up, then the Father gives you the power. See, we got authority as sons and daughters of God. The power comes 
because you're in alignment with his will. And the Lord says, yeah, that's my will. Bam. He gives you the privilege to do it. That's the Christian life. You get the privilege. You have the privilege to see. He could just do it without you, but he chooses to do it through you. That is our privilege because the earth was created for us. And we are called to take it all back. It belonged to us. Satan took it. Jesus took it back from Satan. He said, here it is. Go take it back. I'm giving you the pr- privilege. I bound the strong man. Now go take it back. Take everything that belongs to you. Amen. That is the Christian life. That is the most safest place in the kingdom. Doing battle with Satan to take back everything that belongs to you. Standing up to the bully because you may be small, but the but the Father of all creation is behind you. Amen. You may have no power, you may have no power, but you got the authority because that's your house. Amen. If it's your house, it have, you have authority. If it's your room, you have authority. You understand? Yes. You go into the place where you have authority. If you're a boss at your workplace, you have authority. You get open the door. I'm a professor in the classroom. So I have authority every time I go to the classroom. You understand? Whatever I open, it opens. Whatever I lose, I lose. Whatever I close, I close. Do you understand? If I say to all the students, close all your laptops, what happens? Everybody closes the laptops. If some knucklehead doesn't do it, I just stare until they do it. Do you understand? I have the authority and the power comes from the authority figures that are higher up that gave me that power to do. My dean said, tell everybody to close their laptops if you want. I can do that? She said, yes, go ahead. You do whatever you want in that classroom. Do you guys understand? Sometimes I feel like um, you know, we just give up too easily. You know, one of my favorite passages in 2 Kings 8, there's a woman, she's a Shunammite. Shunammite woman. Elijah restored this woman's son from the dead. And then there was a famine in the land, and after that she had to Flee her land because Elijah said, you got to flee because there's a famine. And she had to leave it for years. And then, when then, the, and then there was a time when things were being restored. Elijah's servant, Gehazi, was talking to the king. And the king wanted to hear some testimonies. He, Tell me about Elijah, what he did. And, he started, and the Gehazi said, well, there was this woman. And Elijah raised her son from the dead. But then, then she had to flee. And as he was telling that story, the woman came and showed up and said, while I left, there were some squatters in my land and took over my land. I want my land back. After years, she said, well, there's squatters. There's all these people in the land. I'm just a woman. I'm a widow, but you know, I want my land back. And the king was so heartened by her aggressive tendency to take back what was hers. She could have just gave up. She could have said, you know what? So many things have happened in my life. Why are all these things happening? Why am I running away and I come back and my land is 
run by squatters, and I'm just like, everything is just messed up. But she just had the wherewithal to go to the king. Do you guys understand? And say, I want my land back. There's some people in my land that don't belong there, and I'm not going to stand for it. They don't, they don't belong in my house, and I'm not going to stand for it. And the king said, listen, I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to kick all those people out. And, all, and then check this out. He said, all the fruit that you would have had, you know, all the times that you were gone and the harvest, you know, it's not like you're, gonna miss, you're missing out on all that. I'm going to give you back pay. All the years you missed, I'm going to give you the harvest and the fruits and all that you should have had, I'm going to give it back to you. How many of you guys know God is a God of complete restoration? I don't know about you, but that's what I believe. No matter what I'm going through, things I may lose some, but I'm going to gain it all back. God never forgets. God remembers. He's not senile. He's not old. And he's like, oh, I forgot about that. You know what? Let's start over. No, he remembers everything that the enemy took, took from you, and he wants to give it back to you 30-fold, 60-fold. He wants to multiply it in your life because he wants to reveal his nature through your life. It's not just about you. He wants to reveal who he is through your life and your testimony. And so we, if we give up, if we just say, forget it, I don't want it, so it's fine. I'll live with squatters. I'll just give me a little piece of land. Then you won't be able to experience the goodness of the Father and the ability of the Father to restore it to you. A lot of us are so impatient. And that's what it means for the soil to go dig deep. It's like the, the, if you're in the desert and the land is all cracked, your seed has to go deep so that you can find water underneath. And that's where the fruit grows. You can have leaves and trees growing in the desert if you just go dig deep. Can somebody say, dig deep? Dig deep. Dig deep. People, I know we're in a generation where everything is TikTok-y. And everything is two seconds and five seconds. And if it, if it doesn't catch your eye, and like in one minute you forget about it. And I know we're under all that pressure. But I want to train you. I want to tell you the Word of God is true. There's nothing wrong with the Word. There's, there is nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is the Word of God. There's nothing wrong. Jesus is saying to the people, there's nothing wrong with what I'm saying. Can you allow the Word to sink deep? How do you let it sink deep? The fruit of the Spirit is perseverance. You just keep knocking. Ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. We don't determine when it's going to be opened. Only thing that God asks us to do is to trust Him and keep knocking. You know, a lot of the Old Testament prophets, when they prophesied something, it took hundreds of years for it to come true. Can everybody say amen to that? Hundred of years. Some of the things that you're doing now, you may not see fruit until you're in heaven. Oh, shoot. Wow. Some of the things that I've done in my life, I may not see the fruit of it until I go to heaven. You, they will be, it will be instantaneous for me, but you guys, people will have generations and generations, like things I've done in Africa and other countries. Sometimes I wonder, what, what is the fruit? I laid the seed and persevered. Go to heaven. I go to heaven. The Lord's like, here's your reward. Let me show you. Because 
Heaven is not chronological, it's instant. That's my reward. That's why I keep persevering. And then sometimes the doors open in, our, in the present time. That's the Kairos moment. Sometimes we get the privilege of like, and then boom, boom, oh, wow. It happened, wow. That's the, that's the glory of God manifesting, amen? God wants to give you the back pay that you deserve. Whatever the enemy stole, he wants to give it back to you. He wants to restore everything. I remember um, Sonia and I were pastoring this small church, and then uh, it got bigger and bigger, and our budget got bigger and bigger, and we didn't have a hot HR, so one of our uh, board members happened to be a manager, like an HR manager, and she came and she started looking at all the books and said, hey, you, didn't, you haven't given Steve and Sonia vacation pay for 11 years. And I, they were like, oh, we're supposed to do that? Yeah, and then he never takes vacation, so you owe him a lot of money. And then my wife and I were like, oh, I'm not going to complain about that. And then I was, and my wife's like, it's, it's fine. Steve hates vacation. Like he, he wants to work, and it's fine. And then she's like, but it's the law. I got back $11,000. One time, I'm like, oh, praise the Lord for HR. HR. <laughs> Human resources. Thank you, Lord. See, the Lord remembers. He's going to restore everything. It's your right. It's your, what belongs to you. Just think in your life what belongs to you. I'm just going to give you like a couple of, what belongs to you? Where do you have authority? The sphere of your authority. What? what that's why when people ask me, should I take this promotion? I'm saying, most likely, yes. It's going to be more work, but it's not about you. Who is it about then? Is it more money? No, no, you should take it because you get more authority. And once you have more sphere of influence, then you can bring the kingdom to the people under you. Because that's your calling, to release the kingdom wherever you go. Do you understand? So whenever I get promoted or people want me to go higher, I don't want, if my flesh says I don't want to do it, that's more responsibility, more things. But my spirit says yes, because I know that God will give me the ability and God will give me the capacity and my will is to do His will, which is to expand the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? So we have to agree. Everybody in agreement that this is what God wants? Yeah? yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Let's go. Are you sure? Because I just want to be a little bit frank with you. I, I, I don't see that aggressiveness in our, prayer, in our prayer times. I don't, I don't see that. Let's have a prayer time. Worship is prayer. It's the indirect way of praying to God. But when I, when I call for a prayer meeting, okay, yeah, sure, it's like work. Where I, I think of prayer time as a joy. And it is our privilege to agree. It's like me doing this. It's like, this is God's will. And it's all of us doing, all of us, I don't want to be Darth Vader, but you know, like, all of us saints going, that's prayer, releasing with our mouth, agreeing with the Lord. It's the greatest prayer 
prayer is really, um, I'm not saying petitional prayer is um, bad. It is mandated by the Lord to give us all our requests to the Lord. How many of you guys know, but that is not the end goal of, it's not the, it's not the, the highest level of prayer. Asking God for something. That's what we do, right? When we pray, Father, give me this, give me that, give me that. That's what my kids used to do when they were immature. <laughs> Dad, when are you going to give me this? When are you going to give me that? Dad, I need a new car. You're only 12. <laughs> I don't trust you yet. When can you trust me? When, you, when I get a license? No. You have to prove to me that you can drive. Well, when are you going to trust me? You don't trust me. Ah, That's our prayer. That's immature prayer, but God listens anyway. Amen? And he says no because he loves you. God, give me a boyfriend right now. Give me a boyfriend. No. You need, you need to be alone. You need to learn to be so joyful in the love of the Father. No. I want a boyfriend. I'm lonely. I'm by myself. I got Netflix. Turn off Netflix and speak to me. No. I'm bored. That's what children do. Is a father get mad at the ch child? Dad, I want to watch TV. I don't want to talk to you right now. Does the father get mad? I think it's cute. Fine. But when they do that when they're 30, <laughs> and like, I don't want to talk to you right now. You haven't done anything for me right now. I'm bored. I want to watch next. I want to play games. Then we're going to have a sit down. What is happening with your heart? You need to learn intimacy with me. Do you understand? And the highest level of prayer is that when I get older, my son and my daughter will know me without even speaking. They, they, they know me like we're, we're two peas in a pod. You know, it's, like, it's just like reflections. We, we bear the same image, not just in the way we look, but in the way we act and our values. So when you see my son, you see me. And that's what it means to grow in the image of God. Do you understand? As we become mature, that, that you can pray and you just, you're, you're so intertwined that even if you don't have to pray for an hour, you just know your heart is so submitted to the will of God. You know and you walk with Him. You just know what He wants. I don't have to pray and fast about what God wants. I just know and deep inside, if I've surrendered my heart, I just know deep inside that's what I should do. I don't have to question. If I'm rebellious, I'll question it. Do you, do you guys understand? That's the highest level of prayer where you just go up to the throne room. Intimacy with the Father. You know your Father. You walk with Him for all these years. You just know what He wants and you release it down. That's the Father's will. Do you understand? It's not up to me to decide whether He's going to do it or not do it. It's up to Him. It's for me to know His will and do it. That is the kingdom. I cannot be God unto myself and determine whether it's going to work or not going to work. Then you're transactional in, the nature, in your relationship with the Lord. You're only doing it because you're going to get results. I do it because I trust the Father and He will get the results in His way, in His time. But my job is to trust Him. And perseverance develops trust. Perseverance develops trust. Every time you, something, you pray and it doesn't happen, you're just going deeper. 
When something is not happening and you worship God anyway, your seed is going deeper into the bedrock. That's how you grow in maturity. Petros, Petra, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, Matthew 16 says. Matthew 18. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loose. And I got to tell you, if two, two of you agree, that's prayer. And anything you ask, it will be done for you, my Father, in heaven. Where two or three are gathered, it makes a quorum. You release heaven, and things will be done. I am there, right there among them. That's what the Bible says. I am right there. Pew. Do you understand? Matthew 18. And it says, on this rock, Peter, on this revelation, Petra. Petros is a little bolder, like a little 10-pound rock. How many guys, do you guys think that's wise to build a house on a 10-pound rock? You got to get to the bedrock that's immovable. So you build the house on the rock, the Bible says. It's the bedrock. How many guys know that the tomb of Jesus was built on the rock? The tomb of Jesus was built from bedrock. The same word, Petra, bedrock. You guys following me? Yes. That, that the bedrock of our faith is the empty tomb of Jesus. Amen. That is the root of the root of our faith. And Jesus is not saying to Peter, on this man I will build a church and the Catholics built the whole church on the Pope. It's not, it's not what he's saying. He's saying, I will build my church on this confession, this bedrock of faith, that, that Jesus, I am the Messiah, the Son of God, and I, crucified on the cross, resurrected, and now there's an empty tomb, and that's the bedrock of our faith. And that's our power source. No matter when you're going, if you're going through some doubts and Hardships, you just go to the source of the source of the source. But the tomb is empty, people. People argue with me all the time, but Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. That's the bedrock of my faith. And because of that, the gates of Hades cannot stand the church that believes in that. Do you know that the gates literally means a defensive posture. That Hades is trying to defend against you. The gates of Hades will not prevail. That means they were like holding you back. The church is coming. The church is coming. And the kingdom is advancing and forceful people lay hold of it. That's what it means. And the people who are advancing understand the tomb is empty. I may go through some stuff in my life, but I have the victory because Jesus, his empty tomb ascension tells us he's already victorious. He's not, we're not earning the victory. He's already won. And now we are we're supposed to possess and take back. The kingdom is here, but not yet in fullness, but it's going to be in fullness. We believe that. But we're supposed to keep advancing. Keep advancing. And the gates of Hades cannot stand you. I don't know, but sometimes I feel like we're a church 
The church is always defending against the darkness. We're fighting. We're like, we're trying to pretend. We got to stay. Everybody, don't go out into the world. Hey, you guys, just stay in the church. Hey, let's have Monday night prayer meeting, Tuesday night prayer meeting, and, and then let's just hang out with each other. Let's be safe. Let's create a safe place. Do you understand? How many of you guys know God called us to go to the unsafe places? Yeah. You're supposed to go out there and then, and then show up and then tell the devil, I'm here. We're supposed to, that's what Adam was supposed to do, but he, <laughs> he failed. Jesus is the second Adam, he passed. And Jesus said, and now it's the TSN turning point. We're going downhill, Satan is coming dominion against us, and then Jesus came, it's like Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, and people like all the orcs are like getting into the, and then they were like trying to defend, and it's I think in the second movie, they're all coming, and they're like, we're going to lose, we're going to lose, and then Gandalf comes riding with all those angels, and then you go, whoa, that's the turning point, it's, everything's turned, Jesus, I don't want to say he's Gandalf, but he's the man, <laughs> he's coming down, and he, he, he created the TSN turning point through the cross, and the devil thought, oh, I got this guy, I got this guy, and then Jesus said, hey, hey, wait a minute. I didn't hear no bell. It's not over yet. And the TSN turning point, then now the game is won. We just got to play the game. Do you, do you know like in sports, the turning point in the game, you know it's won. It's over now. There's moments in the game, if you played sports, you know there's a moment you go, okay, we lost. But there's a moment where you go, oh, we, oh something happened. Oh, well, that's weird. Oh, we won. We won. We won. Yes. You can see it. All you have to do is finish out the game. Only way you lose is if you just give up. Do you understand? I don't think the church understands our power and authority. If the, if the city is going to the toilet... Beelzebub is the prince of poop poop. If the city is being ruled by Beelzebub, how many of you guys know you don't blame the government, you don't blame all this, and you don't protest all that? It's the church. I just wanted to, I don't, I don't, I don't hey, things aren't going bad. What's going on with our country? We got to change this and change. Yeah, we can better leaders and all that. Yes, I agree with all that. But you know what? Why, why did people vote for these people anyway? Because we have not done the work of the church. We have not changed spheres of influence. We have not changed governments. We have not changed business leaders. We have not put up leaders that have transformed in their hearts and understand the heart of God and release heaven in their spheres of influence and in business, entertainment, governments. We don't have any, enough Josephs and Daniels and Nehemiahs. You know, those three guys never had any failures in the Bible. People like Joseph was arrogant. Oh, yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, fine. But listen, they had no moral failures. Joseph, Nehemiah, Daniel, the top of the top, they weren't pastors. Business people, governmental leaders. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It cannot prevail. The, 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 
The gates of hell, hell cannot, they cannot even win. Cannot win. If we agree, it can, it's the Bible, Jesus said, they cannot, cannot, just need two or more. You got two or more? Cannot win. Anybody have two or more here? We have two or more? People are like, well, our church is growing it's a little bit small. I, mean, I don't care how big we are. You got a thousand people not agreeing and understanding this principle. They can do nothing. You can have a mega church and the church will be, compl- and the city will be completely going to the Prince of Pupu. Because the church does not understand. <sighs> if you just remember, what did Steve talk about today? <sighs> Do you understand? Bedrock, the cross. Hey, I don't have power. I don't have. Jesus got the power. He got the authority, and he gave it to me as his son, as his daughter. And you know what? I, I can't just go up to the top of. British Columbia and go, I cast out, I don't have that authority right now. But one day, but in my house I got authority. In my home I got authority. I'm going to sanctify my home. I know whatever I do is going to open up windows and doors for the demonic forces to come into my home, so I will shut it down. And if I, have, if I did something, I'm going to repent to my kids so that it shuts it down. Do you... Uh, you got to shut it down. And people, how do I shut it down? What if I made a mistake and I can't? Oh, is, it, is there forever? No, that's why the repentance is the best word that God has given us. It's turning around. It's just saying, oh, I acknowledge that. And the demons flee. A de- demonic forces cannot penetrate a surrendered heart. Yes. Cannot. Because a surrendered heart is full of the Spirit. Evil forces cannot be in a place where the Spirit is full. And you may do things, and you go, oh, but then a repentant heart, whoop, Holy Spirit fills it. That's repentance. That's why I don't like, it's not worldly sorrows. I'm so sorry, I feel guilty. You're trying to get abs- absolution from your friends through validation and confession. You guys understand? That's not repentance. Repentance is just acknowledging, this is wrong. Change my ways. Father, fill my spirit. I'm going to close that door. Be gone. The devil has no more authority in your life. Forgive me for believing lies about myself, my self-image. That's repentance. How many times do I have to do it until your feelings catch up? Because we're not feelers, we're believers. (laughs) Amen? I'll just tell you one final story. I remember... Uh, when I was getting really busy at church, and I wasn't coming home at night, and because uh, somebody asked me, "How many people you meet this, you know, in a week?" Well, I have other jobs, so I'll do like three or four meetings a week. Somebody, I think we had a leadership meeting yesterday, and they're like, "That's a lot, Steve." And I said, "Well, when I was full, 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 full time, and that's all I did, and there was a lot of people, uh, I would have meetings, meetings three or four, five hours a day." Meetings upon meetings upon meetings, staff meetings, just meetings, board meetings, meetings upon meetings. How many guys know that's not fun? And then evening counseling meetings with my wife, oh, just meetings upon meetings. Then my kids would be neglected, and then um, and I would get upset. 
Zach will come down. He's just a little six, seven-year-old boy. Daddy, let's play. Let's play there. I bought a model airplane, you know, where you glue things. I said, we'll build it. And he said, Daddy, can we play the model? Can we make it? I'm like, not today. Because I was like, you know, the glue, and it's going to get all messy. And He's like, okay. And he'll go. He doesn't know what to do. And then my wife is like, just play with the airplane. And then... Um, I didn't do it. I would get mad. We never actually did it. I'm so sorry, son. <laughs> but I remember, I remember getting, I remember, we were moving one day, and I was like, oh, what is this? It's like, that's the model plane you were going to do. Oh, shoot, sorry. But I remember getting upset at him and yelling. I would say, I would say, go to your room. I have a meeting. And then my wife would just look at me with the Holy Spirit eyes. You know the Holy Spirit eyes? It's not like I hate you. It's not like anything, but it's just such piercing, fiery eyes <laughs> to my penetration. She's like, I think you're inviting things to our house. And you're going to raise up a past. You're going to just go to that typical pastor's kid's route, and you're, he's going to grow up, and he's not going to want to be part of the church because the church took you away from him. Like she didn't say exactly that, but I, I kind of read right between the lines. <laughs> She's saying things, but I could hear the Holy Spirit talking. And then, but she did say, you need to go apologize. I said, I did. No, you said, I'm sorry, and he said, it's okay, but that's not repentance. Repentance is you got to shut the door. You got to go up, humble yourself before your son. So what does that mean? You'll figure it out. So I went up to the room. He was like, like laying there on the side going, are you okay? He's like, yep. <laughs> are you sure? Yep. I said, stand up. Wang. Stand up. He stood up, and I knelt before him. And I'm like this. I said, son, I'm going to let you know that your dad hurt you. I'm sorry. He said, it's okay. No. It's not okay. You didn't do anything wrong. Your dad, there's no excuse. I'm not going to tell you any excuses. That was wrong. And I'm not going to do that again. You're the most important thing to me. You're my son. And then he's like, started crying. And then I said, son, put your hand on me as I was kneeling. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, and what do I do? I say, I forgive you, dad. I forgive you, Dad. <laughs> I re- and then I, he said, what, do I, what else? I release you from any guilt. I forgive you, Dad. And then you know what happened? He started crying. <laughs> he started crying. And I was like, he was getting delivered. He was getting delivered. I don't think he even remembers. He was like, I was like shocked. It's like releasing all the pain. And I realized, man, demonic forces were coming and penetrating his heart with anger and hatred, resentment. And he was trying to act like everything was okay. And then once I repented, it opened the door, shut the demons out, surrendered heart, 
We both surrendered. He also had to have humility, I mean, humility to forgive me. And then he just started crying. He just released. He said, oh, oh, and then we hugged. I love you. And then I started crying. Oh, I love you, son. I love, I love you, daddy. I love you. And then we started kissing and everything. And <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that's just a small sample. <laughs> that's just a small sample of the power of repentance. Perseverance. Repentance. Go deep. Create a bedrock on the cross of Jesus. Of forgiveness, power, and resurrection. Amen? I don't know if that made any sense to you, but that, I'm done. Let's, let's stand up. Yeah, just for a couple of minutes, I just feel like just everybody just close your eyes. I think there's things that you need to shut, shut out. You have authority in your life. Some ungodly thoughts, ungodly beliefs. I feel like in my heart, some of you have been entertaining ungodly beliefs. And I know it seems unfair, but devil is never fair. You just give, them some room, give him some room, and he's going to fling that door wide open. And you know, I've heard people say, I'm going into a spiral, like I'm just going down a pit and I'm just, I keep thinking the same things. Um, the only way to get out of it before it gets too deep is to repent. I know it's like contrary to the worldly ideas where the world wants to validate. Yeah, God wants to, God hears you. But he says, at the end of the day, I'm God. Do you trust me? Can you release your thoughts to me? even if you have to do it every day. Forgive me, Lord, for not trusting you. Forgive me, Lord, for believing a lie, believing that I'm less than or unworthy or I'm going to fail in life or I'm going to... Whatever you're believing, it's time for you to just close that door. Change the path. Walk on a different path. Let your heart be soft. Let it go dig deep and persevere. Some of you have ailments, like physical ailments, and said, you know what, I'm never going to, I'm just bound to be like this forever. I want to let you know that's a lie. Well, some people, they die and they never got healed. No, they got healed after they died. In heaven, they're perfected. Well, how many guys know God wants us to be perfected on the earth, too? We are creatures being perfected by the Lord. So I just choose not to believe those lies. The forces of darkness will tell you, well, science says, well, this says, you know, you're probably stuck with this forever or whatever. Um, I refuse to believe that for my family. Because my higher authority is not the doctors, it's the, it's, it's the Jehovah Rapha, the great healer and physician. He's my healer. He has the ultimate say. I failed at my job and my school, and you know what? Now my career is over now, and I'm just going to lose it. I'm, just, I'm on a downhill path. I just want to let you know God is the God of Restorer. 
failure is actually a good thing because it teaches you humility and you learn. But your life is not over yet. God's going to use everything for your purpose, for his purposes through you, and he's going to work everything out for your good. Let's repent. To say, I renounce that. I close that door. Just do that for a couple seconds. repented of something, just put your hand on your heart here. Your heart is a, it's a decision place. A lot of people think the heart is the feeling place. Your heart is a decision place. It's the place of making decisions. That's why the Bible says believe in your heart. Make a decision and confess with your mouth. You decided. I'm not going to believe those lies anymore. You trust the Lord. You trust the Lord. You can feel the peace coming into your heart. You can feel the the more you surrender, the, the fruit of the Spirit will come. You just peace, joy, love. You just feel a sense of oh, it's like taking a massage, taking a hot bath. I just feel relaxed. I just give everything to the Lord. I trust Him. Thank you, Lord. How many? How long do I have to do this? So for the rest of your life, until the day you die and your last breath, what are you going to say? When you're about to go and graduate to heaven, what is the last thing you're going to say? I trust you, Lord. Let's get used to it. Amen. Every day, I trust you, Lord. I trust you with everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him all the praise that he deserves. Yeah.